So today is Vision Day, and uh, as we look at Vision Day, what I want us to remember is this, that we have as a church four core values, and these values are unchanging, okay? They're unchanging because they're from Scripture. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? So you got to love your neighbor, and so these are our four core values. Let's say these together, okay? Hope for the heart healing for the soul, peace of mind, and purpose in the world. Okay, so that's just a fancy way of of God's vision over his church, Matthew 22. So don't get too caught up in the language that we use. Every church, I was talking talking to some pastors this week, and I was laughing because I was telling them about this, and I said, now let's not all get crazy here because every church has got their vision statement, their mission statement, and this is who we are, and this is what we do, and can I give you an inside scoop here? Every church has the exact same mission. So if you don't like the mission of Core Church, and you're like, I just don't like what they're about here at Core Church, I'm just going to go on down the street to Life Church. That's just a mile away. It's much more convenient. They have better service times. And they have the same mission. Well, Life Church is just too big for me, so I'm going to go across the street to the church over there, right? Aspen Creek, they're a little bit smaller, a little bit. I could, people will know. They have the same mission. We all have, we all have the same mission. And, and I just laugh sometimes how, but we have just, this is our fancy language for Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 39. But I do believe that God has something unique for our church body, that he speaks into each individual church. So when you go to these different churches, you ever notice that there's a different vibe, there's a different feel, there's a different culture. They're, they seem to be headed, I mean, we're all headed in the same direction, but they seem to be riding on a different track. And that's because God has something unique for every church. And I believe God has something for us. And when I say the church, I'm not talking about like separating you out of that because you're the church. Turn to somebody and tell them you're the church, okay? We, we kind of lose sight of that because we're like, man, this is so exciting what our church is doing. Oh, wait, I've got to participate. Because it's us. It's all of us um, together. And I believe, though, that God has a word for us for this year and I believe that the word that he has is really going to set the, the course for us uh, for 2022. So to get us, um, I think a scripture I want us to lean into for today is Mark chapter 2. So Mark chapter 2, I read out of the uh, New Living Translation. And this is a story of Jesus. If, you don't, if you're new to the Bible, Mark is one of the Gospels, and Mark was not a disciple. So you're like, which guy was that in the disciples? He wasn't one. But he knew the disciples, and he wrote down the accounts uh, from Jesus. And many believe this was the very first one ever written down, that uh, Matthew and John and Luke totally ripped him off. A little plagiarizing. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's okay. All right. Do you like plagiarize them in the Bible? They borrowed from each other. It's kind of a good thing. And a good thing? That's a... Okay, so this is Mark, and he's telling one of the stories of Jesus in chapter 2. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. And soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. And while he was preaching God's word to them, how awesome would it be if Jesus was here preaching to you this morning? He's not. You got me. 
But Jesus is preaching, and it says while he was preaching, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and they, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Right in the middle of the sermon. That's not, you think it's distracting when somebody gets up to go to the bathroom in the middle of my sermon. Imagine if somebody's coming down through the, the roof. Seeing their faith, I love that. That's what Jesus saw. I'm telling you, if somebody interrupted me in the middle of my sermon, I ain't seeing their faith. <laughs> but Jesus sees their faith. I'm just being honest. And he said to this paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven, which is the most confusing thing ever because the guy needs to be healed physically. And Jesus says, my child, your sins are forgiven. The guy and his four buddies are like, wait, hang on, what? There's a reason why he said that because uh, there were some teachers of religious law. They didn't really like Jesus and they were sitting there and they thought, what is he saying? This is blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Oh, I could, I'm just preaching on, Jesus knows what you're thinking. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, I don't know what you're thinking, but Jesus does. <laughs> Those of you who have teenagers with you, you just love that moment, didn't you? You're just like, Jesus knows what you're thinking and he knows what you're doing. He says, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'm going to prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, they say, I'm going to prove to you that I am the Son of God and I am the Messiah. And he turned at him and said, stand up, pick up your mat, go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. Because if somebody gets healed, we're going to be stunned. If a miracle happens in somebody's life, you're going to be stunned. And it's okay. That's what makes it a miracle. We always say, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be surprised that Jesus does miracles. You should be surprised every time. Every time, because it's a, it's a miracle. And they, they said, uh, they, they were all amazed, praise God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together in this place. And we ask that as we think about where you're leading us as a, as a body, where you're taking us as a church, that you would help us to see what our part is on that. What is it you're asking of us today? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you can be seated. That was nice, Eric. You could just play my whole sermon if you want. That was... Uh, it was very dreamy. I was feeling like, like it was dreamy. I've never had that before. That was, that was like Eric Hawkinson, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Hawkinson. Guy texted me like nine o'clock last night. I have no drummer. Pray for me. You never know what happens behind the scenes. It gets a little crazy. I love convenience. Does anybody love convenience? Show of hands, you love convenience. I, I do not like inconvenience. I don't like being inconvenienced. I love convenience. Like, I love the technology that we have with our phones today. It's only been around like a decade or so, but it's so amazing that I can get in contact with my wife whenever I want to. I mean, I can get in contact with anybody at any place at any time. I, I just love that. Man, it's just amazing. I love the internet. I love the internet because I can fact check people. You know when you get in that, you know those people at work or in your family, they're know-it-all? They just know everything, don't they? And you ever just take out your phone and you're like Googling it? Like, uh, bam, you be wrong. You be wrong. 
I just, I get a, I just get a kick out of I love that. Um, I love the convenience of Instagram because I can, you know, instantly see what you had for dinner last night, and that is so meaningful to me. To stay up to date on your food selection, that's great. Uh, I love Amazon. Anybody love Amazon? I, I love Amazon. Oh my goodness, I can have it in like two days. I, I mean, it's and it's there. I don't have to. I, I love it. Here's the thing about convenience. Convenience, though, has its side effects, does it not? I mean, I love that I have my phone and that uh, I can get a hold of anybody at any time, but it's, it also has a side effect because people can get a hold of you at any time they want. I love the internet. I, I, I love fact-checking, but what happens is anytime I look up a fact of anything on the internet, it leads me to an, another article and thought to another article to another idea off to this thing listening to this video on YouTube three days later I look up and I haven't shaved I mean it's just it's it's got its it's got its side effects I um I love Instagram I I love that I love social media and but I because I can take a picture in the moment but so often I'm taking a picture of the moment or videoing the moment instead of being in the moment I, I, Amazon, I just, I am an Amazon, I love, that's my favorite convenience. Yeah, I have just totally bought in, I'm all in on that because I just buy almost everything. Anybody buy almost everything off Amazon now? Come on, it's, it's the house of God, be honest. Yeah, I just love it because you don't have to go out. I don't have to go out anymore. Do you, anybody remember back in the day when if you wanted something, you used to have to go to the store? Those, I guess some of us remember those days. And then if they didn't have it, you'd have to go to another store, to another store, to another store. And here's what I have discovered is that there's a side effect to it. I'm spending more money than I have ever spent before. Because what I realize is I used to have to think about it. How bad do I want that? And then I'd have to go out and get it. But now I go to, instead of going to four different stores, I can sit on my couch and I've got four different choices and I have discovered in my own life, I'm actually spending way more money because I'm like, oh, I'll just get it because I can always return it. And then, and then I've noticed too, it's making me lazy. This is just me. I'm just venting for me personally. I have found that I'm not kidding. I look and my phone notifies me, bing, your Amazon package has arrived and takes a little picture on your front porch and I'm sitting upstairs and I'm like, hmm, ah. <sighs> means I've got to go downstairs. I got to put pants on. Uh, why can't they just open my door, open the package and put it away and install it for me? Convenience, I, I love convenience, but I, I think though that in our, in our quest for convenience, I think we've also sought a, a convenient way to follow Jesus. Like I, I I love the I love you version. We we talk about it. We encourage you to install it. I use it all the time, uh, and and it's an amazing um, app, and it's an amazing way for us to connect and have access to to God's word. It's is it not crazy now? Like what's crazy is you get on there now, and, and now they have this thing called the story. I don't know, anybody know what the story is on you? Raise your hand so I know who's with me. You you know what the story is on. Okay, a lot of you don't know this. You don't even know what this is, okay? Well, I'm gonna introduce you to gold here, okay? 
So when you get on there, like Instagram story, they have a little story and there's a little two minute video and like Christine Kane is, is reading the scripture to you. Joyce Myers reading the scripture to you. Levi Lusco is reading the scripture to you. It's, it's, it's amazing and, and they're reading the scripture and not only that, they're not only reading the scripture, but they're telling me what it means. And they're doing it all in less than two minutes. And then if you click on the next one, it has a prayer. And what's so great is you don't even have to pray because the prayer's already written out for you and you can pray the prayer. And it's really convenient because you don't have to mess with thinking about what to pray, how long to pray. It takes you less than 30 seconds and probably 20 seconds and you can read the prayer and then you click on the next one and they've already built the Instagram post for you. And you can just pop it out there. But I really believe that that has some grave side effects to it because I think and I believe that it is robbing us of a rich relationship with God. I love that we have the technology that we have today and that we can broadcast our services over the World Wide Web. I love that. Like right now, there are so many people on that blue dot behind. Just turn around right now and wave at the blue dot, everybody. At the blue dot, yeah. Because there's a lot of people right now that can't be here and have not been able to be here the last couple of years. Thank God we've had the technology, but it's a tool. That's all it is. It's a, it's a, it's a tool. And, it, and it, come on, that's convenient. It's so easy. It's like... I can stay home and I can worship in my PJs. Who wants to get out on this cold day? Not this guy. I want to stay home. I'm in my PJs. I'm putting up my Christmas stuff. I got Pastor Brad on the TV. or I'm, I'm, I don't even have it on the TV. I just broadcast it on my phone. I put it in my hip pocket. I carry it with me as I'm flipping pancakes for the kids and putting up the Christmas stuff. It's amazing. I'm doing the laundry. I'm multitasking and worshiping all at the same time. But I wonder about the side effects because I really believe that it is robbing us not just of a rich relationship with God, but a rich relationship with God's people. And what I've become more and more convinced of is that convenient Christianity is the enemy of our soul. In fact, our, our, uh, Jesus talks about uh, convenience, and he says that it's not convenient to follow him. I, I, I cracked up this morning because the scripture, if you read the, the verse of the day on you version, talk about it, it's so convenient that the verse of the day on you version today, but it's such an inconvenient scripture if you really look at it. I mean, you can do it, you do the two minute video on the scripture, then you, 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 you pray the little prayer, and then you post it out there. And, and what you posted was this deny yourself. Whoo, you want to talk about inconvenient. Deny myself, like deny what I want in order for, for what God wants? That's inconvenient. Take up your cross. Oh, what? No. I, take, I, I got a lot of things I want to take up. I want to, I want to take up yoga in the new year. But I don't know that I want to take up my cross. And then Jesus says other things in Scripture, like he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, that's not very convenient. In fact, when he said that, most of the people were like, whoa, we out. That ain't for us. And they walked away. Jesus did something really convenient. He, he washed the disciples' feet. That was cool. They're like, wow, this is convenient. I didn't have to do that myself. Thank you, Jesus. Scrub a little bit between the big toe right there. That's good. Yeah. 
And then Jesus turns and he says, some of you are like, foot jokes don't work. Those are disturbing. But then Jesus turns and he says, okay, now I want you to wash each other's feet. There is nothing convenient about serving one another. So I want you to write this down. Here's our word for 2022. Our word for 2022 is inconvenient faith. Inconvenient faith. Turn to somebody and tell them, let God inconvenience you in 2022. Let God inconvenience you in 2022. Come on, turn to somebody. Come on, don't sit by yourself there. Turn to somebody. Let God inconvenience you in 2022. The best things, think about this, the best things in life are inconvenient. If, If you want, like eating right and exercising, there ain't nothing convenient about that. I mean, it's your, your, your Brussels or Bueno? Brussels or Bueno? That's a tough one. Any parent, if you've got a child, you know how inconvenient it is when they want your time. They never want your time when it's convenient. You ever notice that? Like, why do you want my time now? I'm doing this. Why? Because it's inconvenient. Whether they're, and by the way, if they're two, they'll do it when they're 12, they'll do it when they're 22, they'll do it when they're 42, okay? That's just how we, we're, it's never convenient. And we see here in Mark chapter 2 that following Jesus is anything but convenient. So let's look at this, this story here for just a moment. First of all, it was inconvenient for the crowds who wanted to see Jesus. Look, look again at the story. It says, soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. Think about how inconvenient that was. The house is packed. Think about this room right here. What do we do when we come in on a Sunday? We spread out. Why you be sitting so close to me? Why be coming up in my space? I mean, come on, you're like, We're going to, how many seconds, how many seconds are we going to have to talk to each other? How many seconds is that? And the pastor says, turn to somebody one more time. I mean, I'm just, I did not come to the house of God to be with people. Not kidding you, a a member of our church, he's actually a a good friend. uh, He said to me that he deliberately sits on the aisle uh, so that he, the only person he has to talk to is his wife. <laughs> so when I say turn to somebody, he's like, good, I just turn to my wife and I'm good to go. It's inconvenient to follow Jesus. Uh, it would have been so much easier for this crowd to not fight the crowd. They, they could have just said, you know what, let's just go see him when he's in town next week because there's just way too many people. I want you to write this down. Inconvenient faith requires inconvenient priorities. Inconvenient faith requires inconvenient priorities. It's easy for Jesus to get crowded out of our our lives because we have so much pressing on us. I mean, so much is is going on. So much is vying for your time and and for your attention. And And I would tell you this, that What you prize, you have to prioritize. What you prize, you have to prioritize. That that thing, if you prize your family, and I think most of us would say yes, some of us might say, not right now, I don't. But most of us, most of the time, 
prize our family, but you gotta prioritize your family. Most of us would say we, we prize friendships, but how many times have you said, hey, let's get together soon. Hey, text me, let's go to coffee, let's go to lunch, let's get together, and then you, you don't, because you didn't prioritize it. I mean, you got, if you prize it, you gotta prioritize it. Like tonight at 7.20, I will be sitting up in my man cave with my bowl of popcorn, watching my Raiders go to the playoffs. Because, <laughs> join me in praying right now for that, okay? It's been a, been a long haul for this preacher. What you prize, you have got to prioritize. And, and, and I would say most of us, I mean, if you, if you're here today, the beginning of January, it's like 30 degrees outside and COVID's rearing its ugly head. Here we go again. And here you sit in the house of God. I'm guessing you probably prize your relationship with Jesus. And I would say those that are watching online, because they have to watch online today, that you would say, I prize my relationship with Jesus. But it, it, just because you prize it, that's not enough. It's not enough. You've got to prioritize it. You've got to prioritize it in 2022. Come on now, turn to somebody and tell them you've got to make it a priority. You've got to make it a priority. And just for free, you can turn to the one you came with and say, and make me a priority as well. And you've got to make me a priority as well. You're welcome. This crowd, this crowd was passionate about Jesus so passionate they were willing to be inconvenienced. But, I mean, think about our, our core practice of Sunday worship, how inconvenient this is, what we're doing right now. I mean, my goodness, you're worn out. You're exhausted. You need a break. It's like your only, Sunday's your only day off. You're going 100 miles an hour. It's just like, hi, ah, I just need to... The space, and then your kids have got this, and I've got this I've signed up for, and my kids are signed up for this, and I, I agreed to do this, and now we're gone on this, and we're doing that, and you got all these things, and you know, man, I just, we just, just go, it's just, I just go when it's convenient. But it's not, following Jesus is, is inconvenient. We, your daily devotions, one of our other core practices, we talked about the, the version reading plan and getting in the word and praying and, and spending time with God. And, and, and there's nothing convenient about that. I mean, the same things apply. My goodness, that means I have to set my alarm a little bit earlier or go to bed a little bit later or my kids are pulling on me and my boss has sent me an email and I, I got to check my Instagram social media and I've got 19 red dots on my phone. When am I going to have time to read the word? I'll just do it when it's when it's convenient. That's why here in a couple of weeks, you're going to see us that we're going to be doing the 22 and 22 challenge. What it would happen in your life if you took 22 minutes every single day to be with God? Just push the world back. I think about that for just a minute. Imagine, I mean, just think about how that sounds good to me. Push the world back. Set a timer for 22 minutes and I'm pushing the world away and I'm allowing God in. Whew. But man, most of us, I mean, when we hear that, we think, man, 22 minutes, like that's, that's an entire Ted Lasso episode. I don't know. I don't know. That's a, because it's, it's in 
convenient. And I believe that convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. Inconvenient faith is going to require inconvenient priorities. So you got the crowd, and then they were inconvenienced, and then you got the men, the guys who were carrying the guy on the mat. They, they were inconvenienced. It says, back in the story, it says four men arrived carrying a man, uh, a paralyzed man, on a mat. Now think about these guys, how inconvenienced they were. This is a small village, by the way. It's not a large metropolitan area. It's a small village. You hear Jesus is coming to town. You're watching the crowd rushing to the house. You know it's at Bob's house, and you know Bob and Mary, they've got a tiny little uh, place, and they can't get a lot of people, and you're looking at the people, and you're like, ah, ah, and then you got your buddy. Like, ah, Jesus, my buddy, Jesus, ah, and these guys, they were inconvenienced. They weren't going to get a seat at the table. They weren't going to get a place to sit in that house because they had to slow down. These guys had to slow down. Write this down. Inconvenient faith moves at an inconvenient pace. Inconvenient faith moves at an inconvenient pace. In the hurried pace of life, we can hurry past hurting people. I mean, think about it. You're just, think about how busy you are. We don't, <laughs> I don't have the time. I don't, I don't have the margin. And even when I do, I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm stressed and I've got my, my own stuff. I mean, I can't even empty the kitchen trash can. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I don't even, I am so busy in me personally, okay? I don't talk about you, I talk about me. I am so busy personally, I don't even have time to empty the kitchen trash. I go in there just the other day and I had a, I had a, a, a paper towel and I was going to throw it away and open up the door and I was like, ooh, ooh, hey, wow, that's, and I just balanced it on somebody else will, somebody else step away, don't breathe on it, you know. I don't, I don't even have time to empty the trash. Or if, I, if I, or, if I, or if I do have time to empty the trash, I don't have time to put a trash uh, a, a bag back in it. I mean, my goodness, who has time to do that? You ever do that? What is that? Why, why does somebody empty the trash and you come back and there's no trash bag? Well, I just didn't have the time to do that. I just didn't have. Or the worst this, they didn't do the shake. <laughs> to open the bag. And they just stuck it in there. But that's how busy we are, people. We're so busy. We, we, if we can't take out the trash, how in the world are we going to have time to help hurting people? Jesus was never in a hurry. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to slow down. Well, turn to somebody and tell them, you're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to slow down. Here, I'm, I'm going to give you something for free here because this is going to help you. This is going to make you think about this point, and it's going to irritate you. This is going to irritate you. So we as a staff, we just got done reading a book by a guy named John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And one of the things he suggested in that book was to drive the speed limit and drive in the slow lane. <laughs> oh, now I'm testing your holiness and sanctification. <laughs> so Fridays are uh, my unplugged day. That's my day of, of prayer and fasting every Friday. 
and I, um, I go down to an undisclosed location where you can't find me. I, anyway, I have to drive, though, and I said, okay, I'm going to start doing this on Fridays. Oh, man, I, there are some slow-driving people in that lane. Uh, that's my test for you. If, you. if you wonder, can I do it? Try that. On your way home today, Okay, on your way home today, I, I dare you to ride in the slow lane. Laura's like, I do that all the time. I just, is how I live. Like, I just got some, everybody's just letting life just boom right by them. Not me, it's a party here in the slow lane. She's got her earth, wind, and fire jam going, playlist, and she's just, I wish I was making that up, but I ain't even making that up. Like, it's a, it's a passing lane, honey, let's go. I'm off subject here. Let me get back to where I was. But this is the thing. Like, so Jesus, he was never in a hurry. And so why are we in such a hurry? If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to slow down. And here's what we have to remember is that people have been knocked to the mat. People all around you in your workplace, on your campus, on the ball field, in your neighborhood, they are hurting. And they are alone. And they have a lot of questions and not very many answers. And they're smiling. How you doing? How you doing? And they look okay. Can't tell it, but on the inside. But we'll never notice unless we slow down. I, I, I have realized that so much as I have slowed down in different environments and as I started to just notice people and begin to talk up to them and realize, whoo. I had no idea it was that heavy behind the walls of that house. Because I see you, and we're smiling, and we're waving, and, hey, you doing, man? It's good to see you. Well, good. Have a good day. And I had no idea that behind the walls, they're just, it's not dark. There's no abuse. There's no anything struggle. It's just that they're just struggling with life, trying to figure out life and trying to make it, and we got to slow down for hurting people. Don't hurry by hurting people. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't hurry by hurting people. Don't hurry by hurting people. Inconvenient faith moves at an inconvenient pace. So you got the crowd, and then you got, uh, and you got the, the four men, and then it was also inconvenient for the homeowner. <laughs> Very inconvenient for the homeowner. Look back at the story. They, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so hey, here's a great idea. Let's dig a hole in Bob's roof. This is what they did. Can you imagine this guy, this guy in this moment? He's just like, all right. He's like, okay, Mary, we're going to, we're signed up. We're going to host a core group. I'm super excited, honey. You know, we've been not wanting to do this for several years, but they've been talking about these core groups and they need lots of people to host them. So we're going to do it, honey. And the next thing you know, their house is like packed, you know, and there's people are out on the driveway. They're on the back porch. They're in the garage. Bob's panicked. Mary's like, go to the store, go to Reese's and get another charcuterie tray. We've got way too many people. And get the good one, get the good deli meat because Jesus is here. Okay, so, I mean, they're panicking. And then, he, then next thing, and then he looks up and the ceiling fan comes crashing to the ground. He's like, why did I ever sign up for this? Write this down. Inconvenient faith makes an inconvenient mess. Inconvenient faith makes an inconvenient mess. Core groups are the lifeblood of this church. 
It's the place that you're going to find friendship. It's the place where you're going to find the support that you desire in your life. It's the place where you no longer feel alone. It's, it's the place where you feel accepted and you can, you can come with whoever you are and whatever you are and you are welcome, but come on somebody. But when you start showing up in each other's lives, it gets messy. Come on, everybody in a core group, say amen. amen. You got that parent that shows up that doesn't parent. You know what I'm talking about? They got their kid just running crazy, like, you gonna parent that kid? Next thing you know, he's hanging from the ceiling fan. You're like, you do something about little Johnny swinging around. I'll look at him. He's just like that. I don't know why he's like that. I'll tell you why he's like that. You need to clear some belt loops. That's why he's like that. But you don't say that because you're in a core group, and that's not what Jesus would say. You got that person, you know, that's time for prayer. Prayer's great. We love prayer. We should be praying for one another. We talk about the power of prayer. Prayer's amazing. But then you get that one person, and it turns into share time. And they've got a story. And you're like, buckle in, because here we go. And by the way, if you, you're thinking, wow, I, nobody does that in my group, it's you. I mean, you're trying to talk about the message, you're trying to, your group's gathering, you're trying to talk about this, and here's what Pastor Brad was talking about, and the scripture said this, and then somebody's like, yes, could we talk about the seven-headed dragon in Revelation, and do you think Jesus, do you think this is the apocalypse now? You're like, well, seven-headed what? Why are we talking? That's groups. Groups are, are nobody's signing up for groups now. Nobody's, <laughs> I just killed the group ministry in one sermon right there. Instagram friendships are so much easier. I mean, they're just so much easier because they require no relational capital whatsoever. I, I can experience relationships in five-second bursts. Shka-boom, 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 like, shka-boom, like, you know? And you always get the best of, don't you? You don't get their mess. I don't have to mess up my home. I don't have to mess up my life. I don't have to put up with their junk. I don't have to listen to this. Five seconds, boom. And it's always, I can tell them the best of my life. They can tell the best of my life. And then you get that one person and they do something really weird on, on social media. And you're like, whoa, they just opened up. Unfriend. <laughs> or you don't unfriend them. I'll hide them. Authentic relationships require presence. Let me say that again. Authentic relationships require presence. And you can't do that digitally. You have to be together. Because the church is about people. It's, it, it, you can't get around it. There's no way you can't do church as an individual sport. It's a team sport. It, it's, it's about all of us coming together. It's about doing life together. It's messy because you, you wrestle together with the questions and the doubts. That's messy. Like, I got some questions, and then you, I don't have answers to that. Hey, we're dealing with this in our family, um, and you're like, whoa, that's heavy. Um, maybe we should call a pastor because I don't have a clue what to say now. And, and you got to wrestle, and, and, and you got you to deal with each other's struggles. You bring your struggle into the equation. Somebody else brings their struggle into the uh, equation. You, you have to be vulnerable. 
It's so, listen, you, you, you can do life by yourself and never be vulnerable. And no one will ever know you. If you want people to know you, you have to risk vulnerability. Or you go through life in a miserable existence. It's messy, but it's beautiful. Because you realize, <laughs> man, you're jacked up and I'm jacked up. Man, you got some junk and I got some junk. You got some questions and I got questions. But you know what? We're going to lock arms and we're going to figure this out together. And we're going to support one another and we're going to help one another because I do not want you to be alone. Turn to somebody and tell them, don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Inconvenient faith makes an inconvenient mess. So how, how do we push back against convenient Christianity in 2022? Well, as you know, we have eight core practices, and our eight core practices are what uh, help us to find hope, healing, peace, and purpose in Jesus. Here, here they are. Let's say these together. Daily devotions, sacrificial serving, continual surrender, sharing Christ, persistent prayer, godly friendships, generous giving, and Sunday worship. Now leave that up there because when you look at that, these are great. These, these, these are so nice. They look good. Don't those look good? They sound good. They're well written. I mean, they just, they just pop off the page. But the truth is, these eight core practices are anything but convenient. I would actually say that we should probably call them the eight inconvenient practices. And I think we should retitle them for 2022. Because really, daily devotions, it's inconvenient devotions. When is it ever going to be convenient for you to push back the world for 22 minutes and sit with God in his, wor in his word and prayer? When is it? It's not. It's not. When is it? It's inconvenient to serve. I mean, if you want to help somebody, it's never. I'm telling you, in 2022, there's never going to be a convenient time. Somebody's going to need your help. Somebody's going to need something from you. And it's going to be at that moment when you're like, I don't have it to give. It's inconvenient. It's an inconvenient surrender because I'm telling you in 2022, I'm a goal setter. I, I do uh, New Year's resolutions. Most people don't, but I got my goals. I got places I want to go, people I want to see, things I want to accomplish and things I want to do. And it becomes, unfortunately, at times I can lean into me, too much of me. And my will, it's inconvenient to surrender and say, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want me to do? Do. Where do you want me to? Oh, that's so inconvenient. It's, it's, an, it's not just sharing Christ, it's inconvenient sharing. If you, wanna, if you want people to come to Jesus, you're going to have to start praying for them. Every day, by name. That takes time, and that's inconvenient. You're going to have to start looking for opportunities to do good and do good. You're going to have to look for opportunities to share and tell somebody about Jesus and helping them through a problem or through a struggle and being available to them. And that is going to be inconvenient to do that. Prayer, inconvenient. Nothing convenient about prayer. How many times does somebody say, hey, will you be praying for me? And they tell you what they're wanting to pray about. You go, yeah, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. And then you realize the next time you see them, oh, man, I did not pray for them. Or you just completely forgot. 
because it takes time to stop in a moment. This is one of our practices here at Core Church. If somebody tells you, if you're new, just beware. Don't tell anybody what your needs are because they will pray for you right there on the spot. I've seen people do this in stores. It's just crazy. Coffee shops, in church, groups, everywhere. Just stop, we're going to pray. And that should be our practice, by the way. We should be willing to be inconvenienced when it comes to prayer. Somebody says, hey, here's what I'm going through. Here's what's happening. That should be a trigger immediately for us to say, all right, I'm going to be inconvenienced right now. I might be late for an appointment. I might, I, I don't know. I'm going to shut everything down for this moment and I'm going to stop and we're going to pray. Friendships are so inconvenient, so difficult. We all desire them. We want them. We prize them. But being in a group is never going to be inconvenient. It's never going to be convenient for you. Never. It's never going to be a good time. Your group is probably meeting this week. And you're thinking, oh, I'm going until about an hour before or the day of. And you're like, oh, man, not this week. I'm just so tired. I got so much and this is happening. And I realize there's things in life and I realize things happen and I realize there's moments that you can't. But let's just be honest. Sometimes we're just like, it's just, it's just not, relationships are not convenient and inconvenient giving. Making a sacrifice financially to God and to people it's never going to be, it's never going to be convenient for you. You're never going to, hey, once I get margin in my finances, once I, once I get space, once I pay off this bill, are you kidding me? That's never going to happen. It's inconvenient. In fact, I, I, let me give you another challenge, okay? So you're going to ride in the slow lane. That's the, that's the worst thing you can do. Here's another one for you. Most of us go out to eat at some point. Some of you will do this today. You'll do it this week. You go out to eat. How many go out to eat? Raise your hand. Show of hands. How many go out to eat? Okay. All right. You just said yes to what I'm about ready to ask you. Okay. So that's great. Um, you want to talk about, if you don't think, oh, Brad, I love to give. It's not a problem. It's never inconvenient for me. Here's what I want. I want to challenge you with. Wherever you're planning to go out to dinner, I want you to go out, get the table, sit down, look at the menu, figure out your order. And when the waiter or waitress comes to take your order, instead of them taking your order, figure out how much that meal would be with the tip, order water, and give all of that to the waiter or waitress. Oh, well, that's inconvenient because I'm not maybe going to eat. Hey, we're going to be in a 22-day fast, so you can just do it then if you want. Just count it as one of your fasts. It's inconvenient, right? But that'll push you, that'll help you to understand. Okay, that, that's, but I promise you, you would walk away from that meal and you'll be like, whoo, that was the best meal I've ever had. It's inconvenient worship. What we're doing is, is inconvenient. But, but we gotta push back on convenient Christianity and we gotta press into an inconvenient faith.